As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello to you all and welcome to the 63rd edition of On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. I'm Michael Bailey. Hello. And I hope this finds you safe and well. On the way, Warniola's all over it. Fandemi football. I like that one. And let's play Wenduki. We'll work through all this and more with our guests this evening. Norwich number one chief at NCFC Numbers, also known as our very own Steve Sanders. Hi, Michael. And former Norwich City Publications and Programme Editor, although I think he was head of content once, but I don't like to talk about that, Dan Brigham. Hi, Michael. Look at the way you're nodding there in agreement. <laughs> like, finally, he said it. Um, thanks for joining us, guys. As always, thanks to you all out there for listening. We always appreciate it. How are we? Steve, I'll come to you first. How are you? Yeah, yeah, very well. Thank you. Very well. Um, I was just thinking when you read your intro there, because um, I think it was mentioned in the quiz as well. Do people know what the number Wang reference is? Because I don't want that to be misconstrued in, in any way. I mean, I you know and I know, right? But it's I've probably the Mitchell and Webb thing, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. From yeah, that's where it's from. Okay. Mitchell and Webb look. They did a yeah, they yeah. did a game. I just, I just wanted yeah, I just wanted that. Clarified. Probably got to be over the slide maybe to know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, I, what I will say is go and search. No, well, should you search it? I don't know. I think you'd be all right, would you? I think one word, okay, yeah. number yeah. wang. <laughs> I think so. Maybe I'm not going to claim any responsibility for what you find. But I tell you what, search it uh, Mitchell and Webb look with number wang. Then hopefully you should get the correct. Yeah. Uh, but it's a great game show where they just sling out numbers. Someone shouts out a number. And, That's, That's number, number wang. Yeah. Anyway, yes, um, in answer to your question, I'm very well, thank you. You brought up nicely the quiz as well, which we did on Friday mm-hmm. night. The big football quiz in terms of the athletic but it was the Norwich City edition we raised loads of money for Prostate Cancer UK we had Edward Jacobs as our winner we had some great uh, discussion um, with four Norwich City legends in Dean Ashton, Adam Drury, Simon Lappin and Darren Huckabee they also played along with the quiz obviously Adam Drury won out of the quartet because I reckon he swatted up I'm pretty sure he did he certainly seems like the most likely uh, and he won I think uh, he won pretty well actually so um but yeah, Edward Jacobs was our winner. He won a signed Norwich City shirt. He's going to represent Norwich City in the grand final next month in March against all the athletic winners. Uh, much fun was had by all. And I really do hope that we will um, 
A, maybe put the questions out somehow at some point in the future and B, maybe do it again next year. We'll have to see. Discussions will be ongoing on that, but it would be awesome, wouldn't it? Maybe with a live audience, that sort of stuff. God, imagine it. Anyway, um, did you enjoy it, Steve? Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, excellently compared, of course. Uh, I, I liked Huckabee's withering assessment of uh, Yannick Vilcher. That was a, that was a highlight. Uh, and also the, the sort of phantom Simon Lappin who was much higher up the leaderboard than the real Simon Lappin. He, kept, he did lie about that, didn't he? Until the end when his, <laughs> when his conscience kicked in. Um, it was a great night. We'll definitely do it again. Uh, maybe independently if no one else will back us. But well, what the hell. Um, Dan, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Uh, really good. I've got two questions. Uh, one, what was Hux's withering assessment for those who missed it? And two, at what level of fame does Steve has to reach before the people of Norwich start shouting number wang at him in the streets? <laughs> I think we should be there. Yeah. If you see Steve in the streets, shout number wang at him. Nothing else rude. Just that. I think that would be lovely. It sounds like it sounds like number wang, what they shout at me. <laughs> um, I think I think he I think it answered your first question. Um, I think it was just Vilchit was one of the answers to one of the questions. And I think Huckabee just said something. Am I, I, I assume he's fine for me to repeat? He just said something like awful player or something like that. I, I, I remember there being i'm pretty sure it was beep worthy <laughs> and i got confused that he was talking about marco steedman i was like that's harsh and he was like no 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 had, had hux been on a cup on the years with generic lager at that point no he only drinks on sundays which is what i found out he was watching watford derby at the same time though so maybe he got a bit distracted <laughs> which is fair enough you know um lovely to see you anyway dan and that is a massive mic and not a euphemism that is a massive mic well um, i'm a very small man so it's probably just proportionate isn't it crack on quickly um the champions league is back and to celebrate we are offering new subscribers a half price annual subscription to the athletic that's less than one pound per week for an entire year to redeem that limited time only offer go to theathletic.com forward slash norwich pod that's theathletic.com forward slash norwich pod and if you're enjoying the show please leave us a review i reckon we crack on with this week's headline act so norwich city played rotherham on saturday and it did kind of amuse me including in this podcast by the way that everyone was sort of yeah paul warren norwich fan well um but i did take it upon myself to get hold of paul warren in advance and talk to him about his build-up for the game, what was going through his mind. I spoke to him on Friday. I spoke to him on Saturday on the morning of the match about how his thoughts had evolved. And then um, I spoke to him on the press conference um, uh, after the game, which was, which was funny because I couldn't turn the video on the Zoom for some reason. So my name just popped up and uh, to, to sort of no one else was saying anything. So this was how we were going to start the, the press conference. And Paul went, Paul Vaughan went, Oh yeah, he's my favourite on the Zoom, which was, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I was like, that's quite a hilarious way to start a press conference. Um, and then after he'd left or after he'd gone to Morrison's to go and get some snacks and he was on the team bus, um, I spoke to him again before he got home. And the result is three and a half thousand words on The Athletic. Um, but I tell you what, I read through them afterwards, desperate to cut them because I thought that might be a bit long. And um, it, it read much quicker to me and i'd written it and which doesn't normally happen and i have to say it felt like one of the most remarkable pieces in 14 years that i've been able to write because he was a he was a manager talking me through 
everything he was thinking about ahead of a game and actually trusting me to tell me, um, which was something I had to really earn. And, um, and also the, the reaction, I mean, I, so many managers probably would go home and kick the cat and never mind how an actual conversation with you on the way home after a defeat, albeit uh, probably a, a defeat that in, earned them a fair bit of plaudits for how they went about it. And, you know, I, I can't help just wishing and hoping that they stay up because I think Paul Warren and whoever deserve it because he's just an absolute gent of a man. Um, but I mean, just from writing it and receiving it, I know I'm going on a bit of a monologue here. Um, it was just an extraordinary piece to put together. So um, I'm really happy with it. I hope you get to read it. If not, um, Steve, what did you make of the of of his thoughts in terms of what's going through his mind um, before and after the game? And obviously, if you feel like it wasn't that ex- ex- exceptional, please please say because it's, it's not about me writing it. More, more it Paul being open. It's more Paul being <laughs> open. I'm not blowing my own trumpet here. It's the fact that he was he was that open about it. Really. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. It was a it was a, it was an excellent piece, and uh, I, I will not say that without you teaming, 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 the teaming, teaming up for it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and nice to know that his um, that that man crush goes both ways as well, because definitely um, <laughs> love from on on your side for for Warney as well. Um, no, it it was fascinating, and um, I suppose as a Norwich City fan, um, for Norwich City fans listening, the the way that he set up to try and nullify. Norwich's threats I thought it was interesting that you know when Middlesbrough came here and um, marked Cantwell out of the game I my sort of initial thought was was you know why doesn't everyone just do that then <laughs> made a good job of it. and he said we just couldn't like the, the system we play wouldn't allow for that we'd have players completely out of position um, and yeah and, and I, sp- I spoke that the respect uh the respect for Todd generally came through from the piece and, and where he saw Norwich City's threat line. I mean, I, I think Warren has got this whole Norwich City fan love thing down to a T because I think what, we've played them four times in the championship in the last couple of seasons. And I think every single time they've given us a decent game, uh, they've taken the lead a couple of times, but ultimately we come through and all the fans go away thinking, ah, oh, aren't they great? You know, like, what? it's a lovely bloke. Um, not quite good enough to get anything off us, but I'm sure they'll be fine and I hope they stay up. Um, and that was kind of the impression that they left on uh, Saturday as well. A bit, bit wasted given there was no one in the ground at <laughs> Carrow. I mean, it's interesting that I, and I think I put this in the comments actually, because someone spoke, mentioned it. That the one curiosity I had was how it would go down with Rotherham fans, because it's, you know, it's a lot of talk about Norwich City from the Rotherham manager, but but not really. It's also about how his side would, would set up against them. Um, and I think I could see them maybe a bit like what you've said there, I suppose, Steve, like this, this idea that, oh, you know, it's, it's almost a, fat- a fatality and futility to taking on Norwich as Rotherham in, in the same way. And he said it himself to me, actually, that, you know, Rotherham in the championship is similar to Norwich in the Premier League, really. You've got a similar kind of challenge if you're going to Norwich, going to Man City as Rotherham going to Norwich. Um, but at watching him on the touchline, you know, nothing of what he said to me, you know, he was realistic about how difficult the challenge was, but nothing of it was about being defeatist it was literally at the top of his mind how are we going to get something from this regardless of it maybe not being the most important fixture which again is something you'd hear a Norwich manager say of an equivalent in the Premier League but so I I, I'm glad that from the Rotherham fans I've interacted with or or seen interacting with it they they haven't seen it like that which I think is is a good thing because I don't think that's Paul Warren's mentality in his head either. It's interesting I forget I wasn't at the game in 1819 at Rotherham but their fans 
ended up hating us, didn't they? From what me, I me especially. Uh, it was it was it was like my third trip to Yorkshire, and Yorkshire people really don't like me. I uh, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I I they can't take it and they can only dish it out. I don't know. Maybe I'm going to wind them up with that comment. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, lines like that. Nope. <laughs> I mean, generalizations a... do tend to wind people up, I suppose, Michael. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't know. Um, but that, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I've not interacted with Rotherham fans. What what I found interesting from the piece on a as a general point was that sort of access is rare right uh, sort of harking back to brian clough's days when um i think duncan hamilton at the nottingham post used to be on the team bus to matches uh, there and back you know that's long gone so but to get anywhere near that is pretty rare now with, with a coach um so it's really interesting sort of getting those insights especially in retrospect with the result of the game as well and I, what i found interesting about his comments on norwich were him sort of talking about the centre of the pitch and us having a lot of energy there, because that's certainly something we've lacked for the last couple of seasons, I think, even in 18-19. And, you know, everyone loves Alex Hetty. I think he's an outstanding player and still has a lot uh, to give the football club. But what you would say probably is Tetty and, say, Mario Rancic or Tetty and Leitner in 18-19 didn't have that energy in the middle of the pitch. So it was all about ball retention and keeping hold of the ball and dominating teams like that and that and we suffered in the Premier League because of it as well but Skip and Kenny in the middle are full of energy full of running just the amount of times that um, Skip comes back to you know reclaim the ball as well and fill in for the fullbacks has made a massive difference as well and that's massively contributed to our better defence this season as well and I hadn't really thought of it like that um, but it's obviously been a position where we've tried to improve in the centre of the park in terms of sort of box to box and and we've done that this season whether we can keep hold of Skip if we do go up and whether McLean is really of Premier League quality I'm not sure but it's certainly a, an area of the pitch that we've really improved in this season. I think um, I kind of noticed during the game, actually, just you were saying that reminded me of it, Dan, that, that Rotherham did try and hit the channels a few times in the first half. And Skip's energy is just unbelievable. You know, he, he can, I, I don't know whether it's something that Fark has told him to do, but he seems to be able to mop up those, you know, help out his fullbacks in a way that yeah, someone like Tetty just doesn't have the energy to do. Um, and I think a few teams have had a bit of joy playing that way, but... The first half, I just felt that we didn't give Rotherham a sniff, really, in that regard. Well, well Tessie is very good at filling in as a sort of third centre-back, isn't he? Mm. And Skip is very good at filling in as both a left and right full-back <laughs> as well, which is, I think, you know, he covers just, he just, he's able to cover more of the pitch, which, you know, being 14 years younger is probably a massive <laughs> contributory factor to that as well. I, I, I'm, so I've definitely noticed this, how, how Ollie Skip does that, and, um, and I don't think Daniel Farker had a system that required the midfielder to do that. I think it was more structured in picking the ball up in the middle. And then it was easy to kind of take the midfielder out of that game from in terms of being the opposition. So that that I think is and actually little insight. This is this is uh, what you've said there. Uh, well, I can't remember who mentioned it, but both of you basically is, is exactly what I asked Daniel Farker during his press conference today about that um that different energy and physicality in the middle. And he gave a really interesting answer, which I'm not going to give all now because uh, I'm hopefully going to be writing a piece on it this week. Um, and, and, but again, that structure, I think, I think he's 
they've they've looked at that over those last two those last two seasons and they've made to they've made significant differences into the shape on the structure of the team so that there's more flexibility and obviously they then make sure they've got the personnel to do it um, and that's clearly something that Paul Warren picked up on as well in terms of how to try to counter it and let, let let's be realistic here I mean Norwich could have won by five or six on 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 Saturday likewise Rotherham could have picked up a point so I don't think there's any sort of ignoring the, the reality of what the game was. But I also don't think that alters really the insight of someone trying to figure it out and unpick it. Uh, and just on that, I think I, I think I said on this podcast at the start of the season, lots of people said it at the time. I, people, I didn't think McLean and Skip were really an excellent pairing in central midfield. So I thought they were too similar. I thought Skip was maybe the slightly improved version of McLean, but that's not proven to be the case at all. Unlike Gerard and Lampard in the in the 2000s, they know when to go and when to sit. You, you rarely see both of them bombing on at the same time um, and leaving uh, gaps behind them. So they've, they've already formed a really excellent partnership, I think, a good understanding. I mean, I, I don't wish to dwell on the negative here, but I think Skip's been so good that you do look ahead to next season. And I know we've spoken about this before. Um, and you think whatever division Norwich City are in, Chances are we're not going to have him because he'll be part of Spurs' first team squad. How do you how do you replace somebody with the attributes that he's got? Because he is so energetic. He wins 50-50s. He, you know, he goes into challenges. He's got good positional sense. Um, I think that will be whichever league we're in. I think that's first on our shopping list is to somehow find somebody to replace him. And not to bang on about Skip, but just one extra. I, in his conference press conference, I think I saw you reporting the quotes last week, Michael, with him saying, Daniel Fark is saying that Skip needs to add goals and assists to his game. And within the sort of first five minutes on Saturday, he was noticeably arriving into the box, Skip was. So I don't know whether that was a coincidence or whether he's just an incredibly quick learner and can adapt <laughs> quickly as well. well so it's interesting yeah. to see if you do see him sort of getting into the box a little bit more now. Well, it's more of a challenge maybe to see what he does if he gets the ball in those areas. Because I think if you, there was a weakness, it's it's when he gets sort of any further than than halfway with the ball at his feet sometimes. Um, it's an interesting one. I'm I'm not convinced Norwich couldn't, if they go up, Norwich couldn't get him back on loan. I, I, I don't, I think it'd be a big shout for Jose to throw him into Spurs, regardless of... It would be so sad to see him kind of wasted getting, you know, the odd, the odd kind of hour in the yeah. Europa League and, you mm. know, maybe a few minutes off the bench as Spurs forlornly try and chase back a 2-0 deficit or something. You know, it feels like he deserves more than that. It would be the next stage of, of a bit of development, I think, playing in the Premier League, obviously. So then it's a question of who. And I think there's there's a fair amount to be said of being in the same environment if if Norwich can bring in some players around him. But... You know, there's a lot maybe to be discussed and Norwich need to get there first, which is maybe where we should start with that one. Uh, the final point I'm going to make, Kenny McLean in the last 10 minutes, 15 minutes on Saturday, I thought he was outstanding. Really, really did a wonderful job and uh, doing very well. Um, yeah, so I, I just to just to wrap up there, I hope that didn't come across as me being blowing my own trumpet at the start. It was genuinely, I just wanted to put across the fact that in 14 years of doing this job, I've never quite been able to write a piece like that. And therefore I sort of gushed out in terms of how, 
how proud I was to put it together. So there you go. Uh, by the way, those of you who listened to the podcast last week, um, who uh, may well have heard us joke about whether Paul Warren goes around saying he's uh, a Bournemouth fan to uh, <laughs> before they play Bournemouth and a Forest fan when they play Forest. Um, I told him that, and he 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 um, he was very amused at that point. Um, and he said he used to wear a Nottingham Forest shirt when he was at uni there, and uh, he loved the uh, Reading shirt from a, from several years ago. He may have been joking, but let's take him as being serious, shall we? Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Uh, I tell you what, let's crack on, shall we, with uh, this week's uh, things we are not going to talk about. Uh, these are the things that have happened and deserve acknowledgement, but we are only going to acknowledge them by stating how we are not going to talk about them. Make sense? Good. Uh, we also only have three minutes to do it. So if we can cue the dramatic music, please, producer Ollie, if I can get all those words out. Excellent. This week, I am not going to talk about Todd's assist. Because I tell you what, that goal on Saturday will go down as Emmy Buendia's pass and Taylor Pukki's finish. Yes, we might talk about that in a moment. But the dummy, although it wasn't quite over the ball as I thought it was in real time, but his dummy took the defenders out and just allowed the goal to unfold. So I don't know what the stat should be for that. Like XT for threat. I think that the people are trying to model this stuff, but... Um, I think he gets a second assist, even though he never touched the ball. Remarkable scenes. What are you guys not going to talk about, Dan? Well, with the greatest respect, uh, let's hope we never talk about, we don't have to talk about Paul Warren again for a good few seasons, because <laughs> only because it will mean we won't be in the same division as Rotherham. We'll, we'll see him back here again in two years' time, won't we? But let's be honest. <laughs> we'll have one year off and then he'll he'll take him down and then bring him back up again. That's probably Outstanding. Just, just bouncing, yo-yoing together in perfect unison. <laughs> what a way. Uh, we're not going to talk about subs, by the way. I think Norwich were... were f was it... I can't remember if it was Coventry or, or Rotherham, but one of those games, I think... I think it might have been Coventry. They made oh. all five subs. Norwich hadn't made a sub and it got into injury time. <laughs> yeah. Which is just well, remarkable. To me, though, that that's that smacks to me is uh, the back end of the 2018-19 season, where every, the only thing that people had to moan about was the fact that Farker didn't make his subs early enough. We were winning, and you know, and and I think you know you've got if, if he's picking pretty much the same eleven and just bringing players on at the end because we're in the lead, I, I kind of don't have a problem with that really. Um, in terms of what I'd like to, to not talk about, uh, well, Todd actually more more generally um, has really stepped up the last couple of games, like. It was interesting to hear the Coventry um, commentators talking about um, how much, how you know, what an outstanding player he is, and that, that's when you kind of think, actually, yeah, we are really lucky to have somebody like that come through our academy who can just take a game by the scruff of the neck and and just look as as good as that. Um, and you know, think back to the Bournemouth game, we were thinking him and Emmy could not play for the club again, and it's great to see them both in tandem in the way they are. Quite. I tell you what, Todd has been outstanding the last two games, and it's only because of how well Emmy. And 
Timu are doing really that it's almost overshadowed it in terms of their goals and output. But I think Todd, it's longer than that as well, isn't it? To be since he's come back from um, his knock, I think he's been outstanding for us. Um, I don't want to talk about Michael Hecre's challenge on Emmy Buendia. How is Emmy? He's fine. He's available for available for Birmingham, which is not in Coventry. Um, so that's it. So it wasn't a great challenge. I, I joked to Daniel Farker today. Imagine if um, if uh, Emmy had made that challenge on a hitway, <laughs> what would have happened? That I think he'd probably been booked and probably would have already been uh, on a yellow. Who knows? Uh, Norwich won, uh, won against Coventry in Birmingham, two 0 uh, I'm really not going to talk about the reaction to stating that Coventry wasn't in Birmingham on Wednesday night because that I've just never known anything like it. It's just. Just nuts. Well, um, yeah, no also, more commentary this season. That's good. Well, they were they were absolutely terrible. I thought, and then um, <laughs> and then beat the fans Brent- or the team. But then, well, <laughs> I have no comment to make on the fans, but then beat Brentford on Saturday, um, which obviously you must be doubly delighted about, Michael, because of your um, your kind of loathing for Thomas Frank as well. So. <laughs> it's not a loathing. He just said just something like I, 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 he's one of those managers by the, the music's done, by the way, we're done. Um, but he's one of those managers where I find myself wanting to see him. We re- see how he's going to react to these defeats. Uh, just, you know, it's, I, I, I don't know. I mean, what was he, he, had to, the, he, he asked all the officials to change their kit, didn't he? At half time on Saturday. Cause I mean, admittedly they were all in black and Coventry were in a really deep Navy. So it was a stupid color clash as a referee. How do you not look at that and go, well, yeah, we probably should change our kit, lads. You know, it's like, duh. Um, so they came out in this pink. But what, why is the man? I don't know. Like, it's, it's not going to affect his team, is it, Thomas? I love him, really. He's not He's not uh, that bad. He's a good manager. Just quickly on Brentford. Can, um, can we not talk about the two best teams in the championship being moved to Sky Sports Arena for a 5.30 kickoff next Wednesday? The absolute disrespect of them doing that on Sky. That's just to give it. But at this point... Stick it on Sky Sports 1 at 8 o'clock. Well, I don't think maybe they couldn't. Maybe there wasn't a slot. Five thirty. I don't know about you, but normally still working. Got to have your tea. <laughs> yeah, but everyone's working from home, so no one cares, do they? It's all it's all up in the air. Screw it. Um, in fairness, I guess if it had still been at the same kickoff time, no one would have been able to watch it. Maybe why not? Maybe on maybe on iFollow. Anyway, and, and sorry, just one one more on Brentford. Why not? Uh, I just, I just <laughs> again shout out shout out for um, Hodge Stradamus, as I'm now calling him, who <laughs> came on this podcast two weeks ago and basically proclaimed <laughs> the title race was over because Brentford were going to romp to. Oh romp gosh, to, uh, I think they've lost three out of four since. Then. Was it? It was maybe it was because I said this obviously last week, didn't I? That I like I couldn't understand where this the, the where the narrative of Norwich. <laughs> falling down was met by the narrative of Brentford clearly now going to win the division and maybe it was Hodgie's uh, it, was, it was me and Stuart from the week yeah, before it's all your fault um, it's also Tom Warville's fault our extremely talented guy who wrote the piece you know uh, Brentford are made for the Premier League and they haven't won a game since he wrote that so um, it, it was nothing piece. Don Goodman didn't say as well he was he was saying it was Brentford's title two but weeks what, ago but what I don't I don't like I get I get the oh, I'm not going to say the same as last week it's fine I'm really not going <laughs> to they're an excellent team they'll probably still go up but exactly may well be may well be um, and the curious thing about Swansea obviously that was a terrible defeat for them but what um, I picked up on was actually I think Huddersfield were the last team to beat them at the Liberty um, as well so maybe Huddersfield just have Swansea's number I guess we'll see um, uh, what I also wasn't going to talk about was Delia Smith talking about football owners and Max Aarons 
there's nothing there we didn't know <laughs> and um fans return which is of course the big news of monday evening as we record at the moment there won't be any fans at Carrow road and for the rest of this regular season basically might be different if norwich end up in the playoffs also norwich will be at the forefront of trying to get pilot events at Carrow road involving testing which would mean uh, a quarter of 27,000, which I guess off the top of my head is uh, six or 7,000-ish inside Carrow Road if their Norwich opt for a pilot to be involved in the pilot and test schemes, which would be from the middle of April, I would assume, and it would probably involve testing. And uh, it would be a bigger event in term- and also bigger protocols than what we had before. It would be great, obviously, with where Norwich are to have some fans in the ground. We can keep all and everything crossed that it happens. <sighs> Fingers crossed. You were there on Saturday, but on the TV, it just looked just really lovely in the sunshine, Carrow Road. There are very few grounds that look nicer than Carrow Road when it when the sun's shining. And it did make me pine for it. So today's news was was very welcome. And got to get ready for that open top uh, bus tour as well through the city. <laughs> with 100 points and 100 goals. And John Rogers will be walking out in front of it with his big scarf. Walking out in front of the bus? Well, not literally. <laughs> One way to grab attention. Isn't it? <laughs> right, time for centre fold. It's going to be a two-parter this week. First up, on Friday, I, for the first time, got to speak to uh, Norwich City on loan left back, although we'd hope it'll be permanent, uh, Dimitris Yanoulis. Um, that was a pleasure. And you know what? Here's the chat. Did you know any of the Norwich players before you came here? Or, or how many of them were you aware of? Yes, I knew Timo Kuki because we played in Nations League uh, as opponents. Uh, I knew uh, Cantwell, Todd, because I used to pick him in Premier League Fantasy, to be honest, last year. <laughs> Have you told him that? Yeah, yeah, I told him. Yeah, I bet he loved that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, Emmy, uh, also Skip from, from Tottenham, I knew him. And uh, also Krul, of course. Of course, brilliant. Yeah. Um, just away from the football, or maybe not, has there been anything really surprising about moving to England? Has there been anything that culturally or just in terms of how things are that have sort of made it obvious how different it is? Uh, not, no, to be honest, because I, I was ready to, to face a different reality than Greece. You know, because uh, <clears throat> Greece is something different than England. Uh, the way of life is totally different. So I was ready to... Is this reality? And uh, for now, it's uh, everything okay. It must be very strange moving to a club where you you don't really get to see any fans. I mean, you won't have the, normally you you could walk around the city and you'd, you'd maybe bump into them, or you certainly see them obviously at, at a game. I mean, uh, how, how is that? It's a bit strange, but uh, okay, you have to uh, to adapt also. So there's no problem for me. There, there were a lot of uh, lots of clubs that have been linked to you while you're at Pauk over the last year or so. I mean, some really, really big names as well. Uh, did you ever feel like any of those were becoming particularly close or anything like that? Yes, uh, I was uh, close to sign to Atalanta last October, but it didn't happen. So many teams uh, were interested, but uh, it's a different thing to wanting to, inter- to be interested for you and to, uh, to make a, an offer for you, yes. Yeah. Uh, but yes, uh, at the end, uh, I'm player of, of City and I'm very happy for this. And I, I think I did the best choice for me. 
I was going to say, when when you first heard that Norwich were interested, uh, yeah. was this a move where you were like, I, I want to, this one to happen? Yes, uh, it was uh, like this, but uh, I had discussed first for, uh, with my with the, the owner of Pauk because, to be honest, we had to take this decision together because we had a very good relationship and uh, he, he's like father for me. So I had discussed with him, with my agent also, but was uh, the potential of playing... Uh, for Premier League, it was it's too big. So, yes, I do the next step. Just two more, if I may. Because um, I'm not going to finish on the Stoke game, but your your, your pass after for the goal, um, I, I know that uh, the, the goal that was conceded, I know that Daniel Farker uh, said, you know, that his players don't make horizontal passes. So I, I guess that was something he made quite clear to you after the, after the game. Yeah, yes, he did. <laughs> But to be honest, I didn't want to make this pass. I want to just to chip the ball to switch the side. Yes, but yes, he made it clear to me, and uh, which I speak uh, with him. So now everything is clear, and <laughs> will not happen again for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay because Kenny McLean played a worse pass, so you're fine. Um, and just finally, just finally, I mean, at the game at Coventry, I think what 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 hit me was that you seemed more comfortable I don't know what that was but there were more touches and it, it you seemed to be a, um, sort of it, you could see that you'd adapted maybe to the pace and, and what you could do around it. it did it feel like that and I guess there's more to come as well yes I, I felt very really good in this game and finally to play some games so uh, so I, I can do what I, I can in the, in the pitch because it's not easy from the first game to show everything you need some, uh, some time to adapt the, the new style of football. And also it's difficult for me because, as I told before, is uh, the championship is totally different than Super League, Greek Super League. So, yes, I think uh, game by game I will be better and uh, I will help the team to, to get promoted. This is this uh, target. Uh, he's doing... He's doing quite well, isn't he, Steve? Uh, seeing him grow into his role, and I think now you can really see the quality that he's bringing as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think the last two games he's been really good, um, really direct, um, which is, I think, what we hoped from him. Um, his debut was was bad. Um, I think we can all agree on that. But yeah, I think he was, um, I'd say, after Todd, he might be our outstanding player from the, the two games that have happened this week. And uh, yeah, starting to... I, I, he's starting to kind of occupy that space that that was there that that kind of naturally appears when Todd drifts in field, um, and he looks like he's got a good delivery into the box as well, which is something that Jamal often lacked. So yeah, promising signs. So he gets his head up most definitely, and um, uh, so it's obviously really been really great to see him uh, kicking on like that. And defensively, Dan, I mean, you know, coming up against championship players, but it, it's not like it's a major weakness at this level, certainly. He, it's not like he's Evo Pinto, less, bless Evo, you know, who immediately looked a bit short defensively. You know, he, he looks exactly like he's got what I was going to say, actually, yeah. He oh, looks... Yeah, <laughs> no, poor Evo. But he looks like he's he he has a physicality to deal with whatever the championship and, and the Premier League can throw at him. And uh, it's just nice, as wonderful as Sorensen was at left-back, it's just nice that we're no longer lopsided out wide which we were while Sorensen was doing Sterling work defensively but Janoulis has brought in a sort of real attacking threat that we've probably not had since Jamal Lewis. 
And part two, if I may, of Centrefold, uh, give, uh, once you've read Paul Warren, obviously, give uh, my piece on uh, Emmy and Temu a read. It was on their magic partnership following the Coventry win. Um, I mean, the, the debate that's almost raged since that game really is how good this partnership is. And do we even have to, do we even have to rank them, Steve? Do we care that it's more or less productive than Wes Houlihan and Holt? Can't they just be amazing partnerships in different eras? Uh, well, if you're obsessed with kind of comparing the numbers, like <laughs> like some people seem to be on Twitter, then, uh, then yeah. But um, people just keep yeah. putting out these numbers, Steve. It just it just <laughs> de- degenerates into rankings. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, sorry to, uh, to um, kind of repeat this point, but Houlihan only set Holt up three times in their final three seasons together, which I was really surprised to find out. Rude. So, um, but I think, yeah, I just think the, the two of them suit each other's game down to the ground. I've I've said it. I think I said it two weeks ago, um, you know, Emmy's capacity to, to play players in and team who just playing off the shoulder, the last defender. Um, obviously this partnership's not going to last forever. It'll just be interesting to see how well they get on um, when one moves on, um, which I guess will probably be Emmy first. There's something about them. that reminds me of um, Mares and Vardy from Leicester's title winning season. And I always thought, I didn't always think. I thought last season I was surprised Leicester didn't take a punt on Pukki because he just seems a pretty ready-made replacement for Vardy. I mean, not massively younger, but still got three or four years on him. So a little bit surprised they didn't uh, look to take him in. Um, I think my increasingly my favourite thing about Emmys and uh, Pukki's partnership is you know exactly what they're going to do, but because they do it so well, there's no stopping them a lot of the time. And I think that their goal, their combination goal against Coventry was a sort of, Perfect example of that. One pass from Skip to Emmy, little control straight through. You knew it was going to happen, but Coventry defence has stepped up and Pookie's so good at running off the shoulder. It, it's just a matter of whether he has the composure to take it and more often than not, he, he does. Um, so ha- how do you counter that sort of threat as a championship defence? It's, it's almost impossible. OK, it's time for John Motson. This is almost fantasy football. There he is. Uh, We are recording, as we usually do on Monday, but it's another busy week with Norwich at Birmingham on Tuesday night, not Coventry. Uh, That's 7pm kickoff. And Sunday's lunchtime kickoff is then at Wickham. Sunday, don't miss it. It's saying to me myself as much as anyone else. So uh, what I want is us to paint a picture of the forthcoming seven days, and then we are most likely allowing you to laugh at our picture with the valuable gift of hindsight so what do we think is going to happen let's paint the picture Birmingham back at St Andrews that wonderful pitch um hopefully Norris get through it injury free again that would be nice uh anything else <laughs> uh, we're going to be left with a lovely warm glow of how well Norwich City play compared to Karanka's Birmingham they are they are <laughs> they stunk out the championship more than any team we've played so far I think this season they see um, Daniel Farker today. They came to Cairo for a one-nil defeat, essentially. They, they? Yeah, they did. Yeah, I think I think Ito literally said um, to people at Norwich after the game, "No, no, we we couldn't come and play football. We just get smashed." <laughs> so it's like literally like, okay, fair enough. There's like zero ambition, which I'm sure will be very similar at St Andrews as well. Uh, Daniel Farker today um, said uh, 
he said, oh, you know, yeah, Birmingham, they've got really good, really good players and they've got a really experienced manager. So he expects them to finish mid-table. And it just made me realise how he says that about every team, that there would be no team that would finish in the bottom three. Because, I, I mean, Chris Hutton didn't get away with that because people used to think he was just bigging up the opposition all the time. But Stanley yeah, Fucker yeah. does seem to get away with it. <laughs> um, but there we go. So uh, I look forward to seeing Birmingham finishing mid-table. I'm not quite sure how they're going to achieve that at the moment, Steve. But I suppose beating Norwich would be a good start. So fingers crossed they don't. Yeah, I mean, actually, I, I, they, I was quite pleased to see them win at the weekend because I thought had they lost to Sheffield Wednesday, then Cranker probably would have been out of a job and there might have been a bit of a new manager bounce. And that's kind of the only way that I could see them doing a number on us. And I think Sheffield Wednesday would be down to 10 men in that game as well. So, yeah, we know that pitch. And, we've yeah, like Dan says, the reverse fixture against Birmingham was a bit of a joke, really, in terms of how much they sat back. I don't think they'll be able to do that in the same way. And I think we'll just pick them off. Um and then Farker will probably say that Wickham will finish in mid-table as well before Sunday's this game. That's a good point. I um, hadn't really thought about that before. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I I, I went on the uh, the Totally Football League show a couple of weeks ago and basically said they were already down Wickham. <laughs> so, uh, and I mean, you know, they they're still gallantly plugging away, but mm. you know, the fact they're even at this level is. Probably, I mean, to be honest, even if if football hadn't stopped last season, I'm not sure they would have got a place in the playoffs. Never mind won it because they were in absolute freefall. And you don't know, obviously, but just a remarkable story in itself. Um, yeah. So yeah, what what Daniel will say about if Daniel Fuck will say about that will be uh, interesting. And also, Anyone like see a sorry to see a manager in a leather jacket in the dugout as well. <laughs> style, amazing. Style. I was going to say, like, we're coming up against two sort of well coiffured managers as well this week aren't we so that'll be just just a nice um i don't know who I, I didn't see the wickham game at home so i don't know this may have been commented on at the time with ainsworth but you know ainsworth versus farker just just for the touchline elegance i don't know is elegance probably elegance. <laughs> it's the wrong word isn't it yeah um, I'm not sure what the word yeah. is really <laughs> it's uh, yeah i'll end my point there then in that case. <laughs> style I, I thought i thought i remember wickham was the game i watched from the from the lounge with fa- fans so it's the closest i've been to fans for a, a in in a year basically it was it was a wonderful experience in in some ways um but i thought wickham were really were really good although norwich i think norwich they they took the lead after three minutes and then was like, all oh, right, well, this will be easy. And then just could not like that thing in the championship. You, if you take your foot off the pedal and lose your momentum, it's almost impossible to gain it back in the match. And that, that was, they were just chasing their tails then until like, a last minute free kick from Mario, obviously. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it will be, it'll be a really interesting game in terms of how Norwich approach and deal with it, I think. I'm just imagining Farker and Ainsworth fronting some sort of hair metal band from the 80s. <laughs> You know, tribute it. act to Iron Maiden. That would be good. I would listen to that. That's one for the young listeners. <laughs> My dad would have loved it. Um, I think uh, last week we mentioned. Um, about Ollie Skip, I think it was my prediction that he would come out wearing goggles because he got a finger in his eye, obviously, and 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 uh, and that brought up the discussion over binoculars football, which I'd randomly seen on Japanese TV, and I got looks from um, from both John and Ben last week, being like, "Why are you making all of this up?" Well, I'm delighted to say, I think there were at least two or three tweets I received of the clips of binoculars football. It is really a thing and it is amazing. It is just as good as I thought. I forgot to retweet them. So I'm going to have to retweet them. Um, Can we yeah. expect like 10,000 words on the athletic on binocular football? No, no, unless they get me to play it. 
which I'm hoping will never happen because <laughs> I, I look like that when I play normal football. I don't need binoculars to go and swing my leg at a ball and be nowhere near making contact. Uh, both Steve and I can confirm that's true. <laughs> Cheeky. Wouldn't it be nice to go and play football? I mean... Well, we can soon. We can yeah. soon. There's literally no playing football. What about all those fans out there who can't even play football themselves? So, yeah, soon. Anyway, um, anything else? What? What? Uh, yeah, that's it really, isn't it? I've got uh, a question if we've got time. But Steve, go you go first. You seem prepped already. No, no, I was just going to say, I was actually going to say six points. So that, that's as much prep as I was going to do. That's my prediction, six points. Bam. Bam. Yes, would agree six points. And of course, uh, Wickham also have uh, Anis Mimetti, who was a Norwich under 18s player until the end of last season. And now he's like playing in their first team. So going to be a great moment for him. Maybe, maybe he'll score maybe on Sunday. We'll throw that in. Go on. Go on, Anis. Do your best. Away you go. Okay. Well, I think in that case, that's time for On the Ball this week. Uh, if you're yet to do so, Make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. And the pod is available free for everyone on your usual player and ad free to subscribers of The Athletic via your via our app. Please leave a review or a rating if you get the chance and spread word of our efforts across the Norwich City world if you so wish. To get in touch, ask a question or propose a topic for discussion, sing me, uh, sling me a direct message on Twitter. The handle is at Michael J. Bailey. Uh, I know there are a few of you who've done that. Um, I'll catch up on some of those when maybe there's not a midweek game, um, but I, I will promise I, I always make sure I read them in the end. Don't worry about that. Uh, in the meantime, a big thank you to our guests tonight. Thank you very much, Steve. Here's Michael. Dan, always a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Uh, we'll be back next week for another On the Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. Until then, never mind the danger. there we go that is it for the podcast happy days um steve and dan we, we've managed we've managed to get to wit's end yes yes just what? about should I, should I should i reveal my faux pas i've just started talking about wit's end in the last segment of the show i got confused you, as soon as you started talking about stephen whitaker i was like no what are you doing that's, we... that's like the, that's the word isn't it that's the safe word is Stephen Whittaker. Yeah, never yeah. talk about him in the main podcast. Never. <laughs> never, which will be awkward when we get stuck into the Hewton era. But uh, <laughs> but there we go. Um, I mean, we're all assuming that producer Ollie has done a really sound job of editing it. <laughs> if not, you'll have heard it anyway. <laughs> so we'll just go over it again. But that's grand. I, I trust Ollie implicitly. Um, uh, hello, everyone out there, by the way. Welcome to Wits, Wits End. Welcome, all you Twitterkers. Uh, if any of you have stumbled across this for the first time and are wondering what's going on, listen to On The Ball podcast number 42. That was live on September the 8th. It's all explained there. You can email this part of the show podcast directly with an email to Twitterkers, Twitter, K-E-R-S, at iCloud.com, or use the hashtag Twitterkers on Twitter. Just don't explain what it is referring to, of course. Uh, the outstanding twitterkers.co.uk website. Visit it. Someone's put it together for us. <laughs> we don't know who it is, but they're doing a sterling job. That said, they have had an interaction with John Rogers this week, because obviously John last week complained that his name was spelt wrong, and then somehow felt that it was maybe not the best idea that he pointed it out, but couldn't likewise ignore it. So they have responded by uh, putting his direct quote from 
last week's wits end on to twittergiz.co.uk and i quote it's a rubbish website officially a rubbish website quote jonah rogers <laughs> don't mess with the people who are putting it together and uh, they've done a lovely background by the way which says chillax all over it very impressed with that um, i mean to go better on it i would not be surprised if it's john doing that website <laughs> in a remarkable <laughs> twist of fate. Um, and I have been being challenged, obviously, via Twitterkers and, and all you lovely Twitterkers and, and Witsenders out there. Uh, that's a new term, Witsenders, um, uh, to do things in my video verdict. So I hope you all picked up on the fact that I did manage to get the word. Oh, go on, Steve. Yes, no, I was very impressed. In fact, you got two references in for the, after the Coventry game. And the other one, I think, may have been lost on uh, our... Yeah, on... so I, I managed to say twit. Uh, chillax in the video verdict and also in our whatsapp group i'd put um instead of fun was had i put um fun was hard or uh, f something like that so it was it was fun hard i can't remember exactly what it was but okay. there we go i i managed to to put in the sentence that involved fun and hard um which apparently was funny um but it actually made sense when i i, I thought just about i thought i was incredibly impressed in fact i had to go back and check that you'd actually done it and you said hard instead of had and i thought wow he's, he's done that very very well but um we need to keep those coming in because um that's all i'm listening out for now quite honestly <laughs> i couldn't care less what you thought about the game i'm just waiting for the uh... <laughs> to that end i think i did get uh charlie we're going to try and get your email in tonight but i've got to admit it's not looking good so uh, i'll apologize now and we'll probably read it next week michael we still need to segue into yannick vilchett somehow <laughs> oh yeah yeah we'll get to that oh, there um, we go yeah oh, I did... was, was that it was that the segue just there let's I do think. it yeah well yeah yeah Carry on, Dan. So I'll pretend I've not already um, accidentally mentioned this before. No one's uh, heard it. It's fine. That was edited out. <laughs> uh, but Hux's reference, though, unfair reference, I think, to Yannick Wilskitz, who I thought was decent enough, maybe not top championship level. But um, it reminded me, in fact, whenever I think of his name, it always reminds me of him being played as a right wing back in Daniel Farker's first ever game in Norwich City against Fulham, which all then got me thinking in... Uh, reference to our dear leader Stephen Whitaker uh, about players being played out of position and sort of favourite moments of that. I don't know if you've got any. I, I always enjoyed Tim Closer being thrown up front um, <laughs> the 1819 title winning season when we were when we were chasing an equaliser or or victory. He seemed <sighs> to have something about him up there. Also thought he could have made a decent centre forward. And then obviously Mark Bowen. If you're going back quite a lot uh, longer, him going in goal. Uh, after a couple of sending offs, and we had no goalkeeper on the bench. Oh, as well. so I don't know if you you guys have any. There's a good few goalkeepers, aren't there? And I suppose there are those defenders who sort of did m almost makeshift roles up front, like Gary Doherty, mm. Rob Newman, Rob Newman. Mm. Chris yeah. Sutton, then actually became a striker. <laughs> Quite a good one. I was um, I was going to throw in. I mean, I don't know if it has to. They have to be good ones, but um, Daryl Russell going up front for half a season to Glen Roder—that's that, a bit of a favourite. I think he scored in the first home game of that season. He was like, "Yes, uh, this Glen <laughs> Roder guy's a genius." Yeah, <laughs> I tell you well, what, there was our, our twenty-goal a season striker was here all along, playing in centre midfield. And, there was uh, something quite futile about when it, interviewing Daryl Russell in that period because you'd be like. 
you know, you playing up front and he'd literally be like, yeah, literally I'm doing what I'm told. I've got no idea what I'm doing up there, but I'm just going to keep going until, you know, we, I don't know, have a striker. He's <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm doing, but you know, the manager's telling me to play here. So I better, you know, play here. I actually thought Yannick in that Fulham game did really well. He created Norwich's two best opportunities in that game yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, I guess Sorensen at left back as well is a shout for yeah. that. Like, given how well he adapted to that, and I've got, I've just thought of what well, I said. I've just thought of one more. Um, of I have thought of one more. Um, <laughs> I remember Chris Llewellyn having, I can't remember who it was against, but having the most terrible game at left back um, one year. Um, it was towards the end of his time at Norwich, and I think Worthington, perhaps Drew was injured or something, and Worthington put Llewellyn at left back, and he had an absolute shocker, got torn apart by their right winger. Um, that would just sprung to mind. Ouch. I mean, Alex Tetty at centre-back, I mean, there was some of those who were a little bit ropey. Well, I thought um, he was excellent at Bournemouth, though, wasn't he? Yes, yeah, no, I, I think I think probably I'm talking about at Premier League level, like at Brighton, um, which was a bit like... Mm. Um, grimace, if that was what that face was, you won't have, heard, have seen it. Um, uh, but also, one of my favourites, which was your question, uh, Marco Stieferman at Sheffield United. That's I, He was great that day. And, you know, for someone born to score goals, he didn't half uh, cover left back well. And, and Norwich won at Sheffield United and Chris Wilder started banging his table. What was not to he, So he's played left back, centre midfield, number 10, and, and as a, like a false number nine for us now, Stephen, yeah, yeah. hasn't he? Total football. Uh, total <laughs> football. Um, are we covered? Let's have a look. I, Alex Ware's uh, tweet, and I think it sort of filtered into last week's conversation. Um, it was merely a picture of a man. I'm guessing it's a generic meme that gets sent around, uh, but it's a man with a cup of tea waiting for people to come up and talk to him. And on the sheet of paper in front of the desk, prompting people to come and talk to him is Yusuf Safri versus Newcastle is the best Norwich goal of all time. Change my mind. Mm. Does anyone want to change his mind on that? Um... Well, Justin Fashionu, um, I mean... It's, a, it's not a bad shout, though. I think it? if we'd stayed up, then... Yeah, what did it be? Which is... It, but that's the point, isn't it? So Justin Fashionu's goal came in a 5-3 defeat to Liverpool at home. Yeah. It was, was was nothing more than a consolation at the point he scored it, I think. Tessie's right? winner against Sunderland again. We ended up getting relegated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Johnny Housen's volley against, against Forest. Forest. Yeah. Or his or his uh, solo effort against Man City. Yes, although that did place Norwich eleventh, which is their highest finish mm. in the Premier League for however long, and like sixth highest finish in history. So even for how much it's That's maligned, yeah. Bucks against Cardiff, no Birmingham. Birmingham. Yeah, that was a great one, wasn't it? Mm. Dribble from the halfway line. Um, also, maybe like Jerome away at Bournemouth in Alex Neal's first game. Yeah, was, against well, then, 10 men. Yeah, although we didn't really blow them, actually, didn't we? So. Doesn't matter. They went up in the end, long way. Shout. Where's, where's in the same game as Housen against Forest? Pritchard in the same game as Housen against Forest? I love this debate, though. I love this debate because it's so. So it's infinite <laughs> and it can never be final. It's completely object, uh, subjective. Please, Twitterkers, get involved in this. Tell us what you think. Email if you if 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 best. Um, Charlie, here's your apology. Next week, um, we're wrapped up. Unless anyone's got any uh, any other business, that's it. Done. Steve, thank you so much. Aces as always. Yes, Michael, enjoyed it. Dan, pleasure. Thanks, Michael. Good fun as always. <laughs> thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, that's it though. Time's up. We will see you next week. Until then, that's a wrap. The Athletic.